Hello there and welcome to the latest edition of Live Music and Me, the music podcast where we get some of our friends to come on and talk about their gig memories. Today's guest is the Scottish singer, songwriter, musician, John Douglas, who's recently released a cracking solo album and of course is um, part of the iconic Scottish group, the Trash Can Sinatras. Hope you'll enjoy this one. All the best. Hi John, how you doing mate? I'm doing great. How's yourself? Not bad, sir. Not bad at all. Are you ready to do live music in me? Yes, just give it a go. Let's give it a go. Fingers crossed we'll get there. Okay then, so uh, in no particular order, the first gig that you went to? Well, this was a bit foggy for me. Uh, when I was, it seems a long time ago, first started going to gigs when I was about, I think maybe 15. Um, is it... Uh, uh, Travelled because there wasn't many gigs locally. I'd have to come up to Glasgow. So I was born in Irvine and brought up in Irvine. So that's a good 25 miles outside the city. And uh, I first started coming up around about the punk times, 79. I first started coming to shows. And for, for years, I thought the first show that I saw was was Gary Newman uh, right. at the Apollo when he was uh, It was his first British tour and it was the first day of the tour and he was the number one single at the time. The uh, our friends electric record. record. I recently went on. Ah, it's a great record. It's a great gig actually. Uh, I was kind of up in the not the stalls, the one above the stalls. So I was kind of looking down on the stage, and the the, the first act was orchestral maneuvers in the dark. All right, really good. The, the curtains were shut, and they there was a little two uh, a reel to reel tape recorder in front of this in front of the state uh, the curtain. And then they came on with the, the keyboards and the bass, and they played their set. And I think this electricity was out mm-hmm. the first single. Didn't really know much about them. Uh, and then the curtains parted, and there was these big towers with lights. And Gary came on, and it was it was great. I, I, I loved that first uh, uh, Gary Newman album. Actually, it's good at the time. But I looked at the Apollo website, and it seems as though I'd been to a couple of gigs before that, which I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> Stiff little fingers in the kind of late summer of '79, and uh, I was kind of uh, their first record is a crazy record. Uh, I mean, back then there was a lot of trouble. You know, the the troubles were going on in Ireland. So for a young bunch of young boys to be singing about it in a kind of very, very good, very very poetic way, but but the records are so it's almost ugly. The music, you know, it's really really mm. horrible sounding guitars, but. But they had good tunes and, and that sort of punk spirit. And I, I was going to see anybody that passed through town at that at that point. Mm-hmm. Me and my pals would get the train up for Irvine and and uh, and uh, go to the Apollo. Yeah, and, and yeah, and they were supported by the Star Jets. So they're probably the the very very first thing I ever saw. There was a local band called the Prisoners, right. uh, and I must have been about maybe fifteen. It was my pals, big brothers were playing in the St Mary's Church Hall. Just a little kind of wooden room, but the noise and the excitement—they were kind of playing sort of punky material as well—and it was just this hypnotizing thing. It blew my mind, you know, just to be in a room with that sort of volume of music yeah. and to see people making it themselves. It wasn't a fair record; it was pretty mind blowing. Yeah. So you thought it was Gary Newman, but it was probably Stiff Little Fingers or the Prisoners before I, that. Yeah. It was the local band and the local. Stiff Little Fingers was the. I think I paid a ticket. You know, I went yeah. out of town to see. Perfect. Right. 
Perfect. Not a bad first gig either. Okay. Um, the last gig that you went to? The last gig I went to see was Bob Dylan at the Hydro. Ah, wow. So jealous. So jealous. I was, I've got a, my wife's sister works for the promoters. So we managed to get a, we didn't get guest lists because I don't think Bob does them, but we, we got some tickets, a couple of tickets set aside for us. And it was, I've been to see Bob Dylan a few times, but this is a, it was pretty spectacular. First of all, because his last record, uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways, mm. he kind of played the whole record. And generally when you go and, when I've seen him in the past, He's usually got a new record out and maybe play one or two from it and then it's always stuff for the catalogue. But this time he was just playing the whole new record and it was very moving. Mm. He's quite an old, frail fella. Mm. And nature of the hydro, it's quite intimate, you know, for a big place. You know, it's quite wide. So you can see, no matter where you are, you're, you're, you're not very far for the, for the band. And it was a pretty, just a really kind of, one of, most of the songs were kind of hanging in the air. They had a drummer. The drummer was, was really hitting the snare. It was all kind of cymbals and sort of just this groove that was going on without the drums. And there was pedal steel filling up a lot of the space. And there's two guitar players there who normally, you know, these guys could tear the roof off if they just wanted to. Yeah. But they were very subdued. They were very laid back. Now and again, you get a little thing where they'd show the sort of power. But it was just a very restrained show, and everything was on the lyric and his his singing. And he's for some reason a, a pal of mine said to me that, that you know he did a lot of the Frank Sinatra covers. He did a, yep. a lot, of, a few albums. Yep. They said that uh, ever since then his, his live diction's got better. You know, he's, he's much more aware of what he's singing lyrically, kind of thing. So it felt like that. It was like being in a room with Shakespeare or something. You know, you could right. hear every word. And, and the, the older, the elderly voice as well, I find that very moving. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of guys like That's him great. and um, Johnny Cash and guys like that, their voice just got better, didn't it, as it, as it got older, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that even the Sinatra stuff, when I listen to his sort of yeah. stuff he did in the 70s, you know, it's, it's much more moving than the, the kind of earlier, sort of young, I suppose, at, at the height of his popularity, I suppose. Yeah. But, you know, something about age, the ageing process, I think it... Maybe it's me as a listener getting older. older. <laughs> no, I don't know. Don't yeah, know. maybe. Yeah, I found uh, old Bob singing very, very emotional. Fantastic. Okay, um, so a gig that most surprised you, good or bad? What did I write for that? See, I, I did a wee thing here. Oh, right, I went to see Willie Nelson. <laughs> right. Me and the missus went to see Willie Nelson. It must have been 15 years ago or something at the, at the concert hall, Glasgow. Okay. And Willie Nelson, you know you're going, you're in the hands of a genius, you know, being, being a showman forever, you're going to get, a, anyone that's been on the road that long, you're going to get a good show, whether you like the songs or not. But Willie, it was a, a bit of a treat, he really comes to town. So we went to the gig, and it was great, but now and again, the drummer would be murder. <laughs> you know, it would be like Dane thinking, what the heck's he doing? And you'd see some of the bands sort of glancing at him, but Willie was just dead ahead singing, oblivious yeah. to it all. And because um, I know, I know if me and the missus, we kind of know, we, we ended up backstage kind of after the show and we got chatting to some of the, no, we never got chatting to Willie. I did meet him at another time, I'll tell you a bit, but uh, okay. We got chance to, to some of the, the road crew and, and I kind of had a few drinks and I said, what is it with the drummer? What's the sketch with him? 
you know, he's rough in the guys he's I know. So he's, but he did time for a while. So, ah. so he's got the gig. Ah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Somewhere and he sort of took the rap. Oh, it's my stash. Sorry, man. Yeah. So he got whatever it was in the jail. So so, <laughs> so well he stood by him. So I thought that was that the gig was kind of weird for that. But that that story sort of made my night. But, oh, fantastic. You know. Yeah, that's that that's payback indeed, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. country, you know, it's something really, really brilliant about that. We met Willie Nelson on the road once, me, me when the trash cans were touring uh, back in the day. we um, it was Sometimes you take a day room in a hotel where you just go in and get a shower and, you know, for three or four hours and then split. And we were doing that. We'd got one room, so the five of us were there and somebody was in the shower. And Davey, the bass player, went downstairs to get to have a smoke or something. And turns out Willie Nelson's bus pulled up they were doing the same sort of thing. Right. And Davey, Willie came out and Davey said to him, hey, well, are you doing, Willie? And shook hands. And, and Davey had happened to have in the room a copy of Stardust on CD, the yep. original thing. And he said, Willie, would you come up and sign my, my, my Stardust CD? And so he came up to the room and we were all sitting in the room and the door opens and Willie Nelson walks in. <laughs> Frank comes out the shower and Willie Nelson's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> really know what to do. hit the floor. We just sort of shot the breeze. You know what you're doing. Where you're playing. Yeah. Nice little chat. Left and he's, we said we we're gigging that night. And he left and he said, "Okay, good picking tonight, guys," and wandered off. That's brilliant. <laughs> so that was a little. Ah, really nice, really nice fella. Brilliant, fantastic. Okay, um, the first gig that you went to with a partner. Oh, well, that's one I couldn't. Uh, too, too too far back. I'm I'm trying to think what you meant. I suppose let me think. I mean, one of my girlfriends. The first one of the first things we did was we went to the Reading Festival together in a tent, and it turned out it wasn't a very good idea. You know, <laughs> normally, I suppose I'd, before that I'd be going to gigs with my pals. You know, and and, yeah. and I'd never been to a festival where I ended up staying over. So that was about. This is before I was in a before we we're touring and stuff, and it was rotten. You know, the the weather was was murder. Uh, I didn't have the right sort of, you know, if you need some sort of inflatable thing to protect you for the roughness of the yeah. ground. Didn't even of that. It was like sleeping on the ground. Yeah. And uh, that's you know, the weather wasn't good, and uh, we didn't have any, you know, we didn't have any material to 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 to, to take us out of it. <laughs> it was just kind of just very sober, and the bands weren't very good. I can't even remember why we went. I think we might have got tickets off somebody. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that was probably not a great. <laughs> not a good experience. <laughs> How did that affect the relationship? We were all right, you know. We we survived. <laughs> we didn't. So we run it together, you know. It was good. Both of us yeah. were sort of on each side. It was like, fuck, what have we done? What have we done? Here? <laughs> that was that was my my one and only experience as a, as a festival punter. Right. Never, never again. Never again. And okay. to, to go as an artist, very different experience, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, back. I, I Mm. Bar, you get you get food and all that, and everything's sort of you know you can get in and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not for me that sort of thing. Okay, <laughs> I, I I enjoy festivals, but you're right, there is um there's a kind of perseverance you need that you prepared. need. Yeah, yeah, and we're well prepared. We definitely weren't well prepared. Yeah, I saw Pulp at Transmit this summer. Um, oh wow! Which you know, talk about I'm not a Transmit fan really, but um, I had to go and see Pulp again. Um, so right. you did the same Fantastic. thing, and we we're very lucky because Paul Heaton was also playing. 
So we had we had Heaton sort of halfway through, and then we had Pulp as the headliner. So you just had to put up yeah. with the the rest of the fourteen year olds um, swimming <laughs> around you. <laughs> but it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Okay, um, a gig that you had a ticket to in the, uh, but missed. I had a ticket. I probably still got it somewhere. I had a ticket for the Smiths at the Queen Margaret Union. Oh, and the they must have been touring for their first record or something. And again, it was just been down in Irvine, and I had the ticket. It was one of those times where you, you you buy the ticket months beforehand, and for some reason something happened, and financially I couldn't get the train up to up to the city to see them and, and back. So it was like, you know, at the time I was like, oh, I'll see them next time. No, not really that bothered. Yeah, and I did. They came to Irvine actually a few years later, and they played at the Magnum, and I went to yep. see them in the what was it Shakespeare's Sister? I think it just came out. Okay, they were on the road quite. Those guys, but yeah, the, the the very first show, and some of our pals went and said it was amazing. Mm. And I've been, I've since been in that venue, and it's a great venue to yeah. see see a band. Yeah, I love the little balcony things as well. Very I think venue. back then it was even. It might have been, I think back then it might have been a worry, because you had to get signed in by a student. Yeah, even if you had a ticket. Yeah. And I think that might have been in the back of my mind as well. Like, I've got this ticket, but there's this doubt that if I go all that way, I still might not get in. <laughs> I've been the students. You know, you could maybe meet somebody or whatever, yeah. but it was a risk. Yeah, get that. You know, and I'm, yeah, it's strange. Yeah. I don't know if that's still the same. I don't, I don't think so. I've been, I've been to a couple of uni gigs, and um, no, no, I think you're okay now, as long as you've got a ticket. Aye. And at least you, at least you saw but them. That, I did see them, I absolutely yeah. And what about on great bands then? What about a bucket gig in the past that you wish you'd been at? Well, again, similar sort of thing it was it was a beat from being down and over at Frank Sinatra at Ibrooks. Right. I really I wish that in my lifetime, the only time he's been in the country, anywhere nearby. And for some reason in my head, I just thought, yeah, he's not, it's not going to be good. You know, I was young, I was only not kind of late 20s or something it never really I thought oh, you know it's going to be his voice will be gone it will not be any good and me and my pals went out and I can remember walking in, in Irvine for the turf down to the crown maybe about half eight at night and thinking I should be I should yeah. be in Glasgow yeah. 25 million <laughs> yeah. singing and of course next day there was Reports of the, I've heard a few tales since there was issues like we with the punters getting in. Some people were getting sent to the wrong area. Right. Some gates weren't open in time, so there was very it was the, the audience were quite late in arriving. He went on stage and people were still coming in. And some and it, somehow he clocked that there was issues. Sinatra, and he ended up he, he was he would take he'd one of those radio mics. He come he came down off stage and was going up into the into the crowd and sitting beside women and singing to them, right. you know, on the, in the, on, on the stairs, you know, just making it a bit of a night for everybody. And I heard later that he'd spent the afternoon playing poker with the guys that set up the stage. <laughs> See, that's <laughs> some habits in town. He gets the local guys and he sits and plays poker. With them. Yeah. But, uh, I, that's one. And, and, you know, he did all the great ballads and, that I love. And Yeah, that was a real kick. I, re- I still kick myself for not doing mm. that. Yeah, I never saw my, my mum and dad were at that gig. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, I remember them coming home, John, and telling us all about it and stuff. And I, I loved Sinatra, but I was quite young at the time. But um, but I, even then, I remember them saying how good he was. So, yeah, ah, no, that, that was the one. <laughs> oh, so, there you go. That's great. You're... 
million. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then, what about, um, this is quite an interesting one, what about the best support act that you've ever seen? Well, this is a kind of more personal thing. Uh, it's a bank called The Apartments. I don't know if you've heard of them. No. Free Australia. No. It's mostly one guy, Peter Walsh. He used to be, in the very early days of the go-betweens, he was one of them. Okay. I don't know if you know the go-betweens. Of course, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he's got a similar sort of take on song, very sort of lyrical and uh, melodic. He's got an interesting voice. It's quite unusual. Uh, I find it very, it really hits me, you know, I think it's got a, got a soulful voice. And uh, they, I'd never heard of them, didn't know anything about them, didn't even know who they were. And I went to the bar lands to see everything but the girl when they were touring like their second or third album, I'm not quite sure. This would have, again, been 80s, 85 or 86. And this band were supporting them. And I'd never, didn't know a thing, but they played and they sort of blew me away. I, I, I thought they were fantastic. And uh, I watched the Everybody the Girl gig, and they were all right, actually. They, were, they weren't as good as the apartments. Okay. On some sort of a, you know. Anyway, <laughs> so after the gig, I, I, I kind of left. And before I left the Barlands, I thought, I better go to the toilet. So I got a wee walk to the train. So I went out to the toilet. And then on the floor in the toilet, leaned against the wall, was a copy of the apartment's first album. Somebody bought it at the merch store and just left it. Okay. So I, I, that's what, I grabbed it and <laughs> took that home. I've still got it in my collection. And I still, I listen to it now on my own, you know, streaming. But, that, you know, that, that kind of, I, I just fell in love with them. Great band. The, the the guy's still going, Peter. I, I've kind of in touch with him, actually, over, over the past few years. He's, he's kind of been very uh, friendly online. I got in touch with him and told him my story about how I first okay. saw them and how I first and It made him laugh. He got back to me and he said, do you remember that too very well? And it seemed sort of apt that I got the album in a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of Facebook pals. And uh, he comes to Europe now and again, but he mostly plays like in Paris and Germany and these kind of places. But uh, I, I, you might have heard them, you know, um, this uh, this Mortal Coil, the 4AD yeah, album? of course. Yeah, yeah. That's one of them, there's one of his songs. It's the oh, same cool. album that's got the siren. There's the, the, one, of the, one of them covers, I can't remember who it is, who sings it, that okay. covers one of his but yeah, the apartments. That's I'll go and I'll go and check that out, John. Thanks. Yeah, I remember the small coil stuff. That was really good. Okay. Mm. Um, what about a gig that made you miss the last bus or train home? Well, this is something I, I've never did. Okay. You know, I had to get no way I could I, I couldn't <laughs> miss it. You know, in my big gig day and gig going days, basically from fifteen to about seventeen or eighteen. That's when I would go. Yeah. To have a train up for I think it was about four quid return the trains back then and they were every hour for Irvine to Glasgow and the, the, the last one left at half past ten and I think on the weekends it would leave at eleven so some of the gigs at the Apollo I would have to leave right and run down to get the train but there was no way I could miss it because if I was stuck in Glasgow it'd be, yeah, it'd be frightening to be honest <laughs> I mean, my mum and dad up in Govan, they moved in. But for me, all, all I knew was, was going up to Glasgow, was was going up with them to my granny's, and go, which was pretty rough and ready at mm. the time. Yeah. You know, you would go to the corner shop and it'd be quite, uh, you know, almost like what you'd see Belfast was like on the news. There'd be burnout yeah. motors, yeah. you know, rough guys hanging about, you know, quite a scary, scary thing. 
It's about going to gigs. That's when I started, the first time I went up to Glasgow on my own well, with my pals, just going to gigs and we get the train and you come out the station, go up Renfield Street and you mm-hmm. were in the gig. Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of safe, kind of all right. I do remember one time though, we going up to see the Stranglers and uh, they'd shut off Renfield Street because the Stranglers had a reputation. They'd been banned. Right. Playing. This was their first gig back yeah. after being banned. And they'd shut off Renfield Street and there was horse, police horses, guy, cops on horses, sort of this queue of wee punks. You know, I was one of them just kind of doing Renfield Street and this, this queue of uh, police on horses across the road. And every now and again, they would just come across and lift somebody. Yeah. And they would say, it's because you've got a sweary word on your jacket, you're getting lifted. And I think back in that now and think, what a horrible thing. Wee boy got to <laughs> get door, he's nearly in and he's like, next thing he's away and he's, 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 he's you know, Ridiculous, and the gig was great, but the councillors were in a box. The Glasgow councillors were in a box to sort of police the show and make sure nothing untoward. So, of course, they were getting pelters for everybody. And, yeah, and the band were sitting up there, the idiots that banned us the last time. <laughs> so, I that, that was the thing about going to Glasgow, it was quite a scary sort of yeah. thing. So, the, the thought of being stuck in Glasgow for the night was not on the menu. It's like, I don't care, you know, I need to get the train back. So, I never really. Missed, uh, had to stay overnight in a bus station anywhere. <laughs> Ken Ken McCluskey mentioned on his chat that he had to he slept in a bus station in Air Town Centre. Coming oh, wow. back from I think it was Air Pavilion. I think he was at a gig at down there. Um, him, right, I, yeah. So he he said never again. You know you can imagine. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, so we mentioned a bucket gig in the past that you, you missed. Uh, have you got a bucket gig that you're still hoping to go to? Anyone that you've not saw yet that you'd like to see? Oh, um, I, I couldn't think really too much. I mean, to be honest, it'd be the trash cans. I'd, I'd love to us, us to be back playing a show again. It's Perfect. been a while since I've played. And, um, Perfect answer. There are, you know, a couple of guys live in the States just now. So it's very expensive to get us in the same room. Uh, and touring, it's, it's just quite a financially tough thing to do for a five-piece band. But, you know, I live in Hope, and uh, we're, we're, we can still make records, and we're kind of sure. making the records just now. And you never know. Ideally, in an ideal world, we, we'd be on a stage somewhere. So that's kind of... Like that. If I was doing something that I'd like to see, it'd be us. Okay. Well, <laughs> Me looking at looking around seeing your pals. Well, I'll make sure I put that call out when we, we put the podcast out, mate. Okay. I'd like that. Okay, then. Um, what about a gig that you travelled the furthest to get to? Uh, the one thing that sprung to mind initially was, uh, well, there's two things. One is, I, when, I, when I was 18, I kind of headed off to London for a few years, mm-hmm. and I lived away out in Wordsworth, which is kind of, you know, quite quite a trek, quite a walk for the city. And I went and had tickets to go and see The Clash at the Lyceum. Right. This was, I don't know if you know much of The Clash history, but there was a period where Joe Strummer went missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, went, to, went to France or something, didn't he? France, I think it ended up, it was a bit of a scam. Basically, yeah. the tickets were only selling. So yep. that, that, that ended up, oh, wow, and suddenly they were out of the press and all that. But before that, they started the tour with Seven Nights at the Lyceum, and I went to see them there. And I walked to the gig, which was a good hour and a half for Wandsworth, and see, and I walked back. That seemed like a, 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 an eternity at the time, walking yeah, through London, through the summer. 
Right. But uh, later on, I remembered that there was another gig. Me and Frank went down. We travelled down for Kilmarnock to see Prince at Main Road in Manchester. We okay. just got a car. And I just got a car, and somebody, I don't know how we managed to get tickets. It was just, I think, the Love Sexy album was it? Alphabet Street. Oh, great album. Oh, that's brilliant. And and it was at that time, it felt as though he's not going to be around. He's not going mm. to be touring. Mm. We'll get much chance to see. It, was, it wasn't coming to Scotland. So we drove down. Frank drove. He just, with this big estate thing. I remember. And he went to the gig and it felt it was before there was big screens. So it kind of felt like it was it was ages away. You couldn't really see. Yeah. It was just a light show somewhere in the distance. You could hear the sounds and, and it was great. The, the music was great. It was a bit a bit flat because we just couldn't get anywhere near the stage. And then we drove straight back. Probably okay. get back into four or five in the morning, I think. Yeah. So that was a bit of a trick. Yeah, no, that's a bit, yeah, that's a bit. I, I saw him at Parkhead actually. It must have been the tour after that. I think he played Parkhead. Yeah, so if you'd wait, if you'd waited, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay, uh, what else have we got then? So the band or artist that you've saw the most? Hmm. I couldn't compare. It's like between a few people. Well, the jam. I saw the jam three times. So the classic couple times, but I think the one there's a there's a band called Micro Disney, uh-huh. a singer called Carl Coughlin, who was who's in a few bands. He, uh, he was in a band called the Fatima Mansions as well. And over the years, I've seen them. He's passed away now, sadly, Carl. Um, I got to meet him once briefly. Um, but yeah, Micro Disney, I saw them a good few times, and also I saw the Fatima Mansions. So he's probably the guy I saw saw most. Quite a confrontational singer. Right, very literate, uh, very literate, very politically aware, very kind of surreal as well, uh, lyrically. Uh, I, the first I first heard them on John Peel, and they did these beautiful sort of melodic songs, quite we- weird sort of chordally. And he this gorgeous sort of baritone and singing it. He comes to Cork, so his brogue is quite strong, and his accent to tune in. And when you tuned in, the lyrics would be just kind of surreal but really intelligent and really poetic. And then he would do these sort of spoken word things halfway through songs where he'd just start chatting about something. Uh, and it just I just find the whole thing totally engaging and, mm. and intriguing and kind of unusual. We've never heard anyone sort of doing that, that, sort of, that sort of thing. And for some reason, it was very prolific and was touring all the time and bringing up loads of records and they were all equally as interesting kind of thing over the years. So he was a guy I followed from from the day I first heard him until, until he passed away, uh, which is probably a good 30, 40 years. And over the years, I always sort of checked in whenever he was doing stuff and right. going to see them live. And it, it's one of those characters you'd have loved to see growing into an old fella. You know, yeah. like like we're saying about Dylan and, and, and everybody that, that, that's, a, that's a prolific artist, they, they get more interesting to me as, as they grow older, yeah. especially people that have got pain and, and are good with a lyric. Yeah, you know anybody that gets to an age, there's always a good wisdom in there and a, and a good a good sort of wit going on, and he had a lot of that. And I'd love to have seen him become an older fellow and, and do all that, but not to be. But you know, he's he shone bright. Yeah, and you saw him a few times as well, which is good. And he's element. I think live, live is where he became became the full version of what it was. Brilliant. Okay then. What, talking about great gigs then, what, what would you say is the best gig that you've done as a performer? 
Uh, where did I write down from this? Well, there's the ones that lived in long in the memory. We was the very the first tour we did. We started in of America before that. Before we toured America, we hadn't really played live a lot. We played local gigs. Maybe got straight. Maybe got out a little bit further in Ayrshire. Then we, we started making records and we started doing like support shows for other acts. And you always felt as though you're in rooms with people that never heard you. Yeah. And you were sort of you make an impression. Now and again, you get you you do a headline gig and there'd be a few people there, and other people were just coming on to see what the sketch was. You never ever felt for a while as though you're in a room full of friends. It was always sort of a okay, we're going to war here. You know, we're going to we're going to try and. And, and have a victory and and, and it was very nerve-wracking and then we went to the states and the, re- the only reason we went to the states is because a record was getting played over there the first album lots of people bore it and, and yep. get played in the radio it became uh, quite a part of people's lives so we went over there and suddenly we were in rooms where everybody knew every word glad to see us intrigued with these exotic foreigners with this crazy accent <laughs> as well as the songs you know so suddenly you were you were you're being embraced. It took a little while to adjust, but once we did, as the tour went on, it just became really enjoyable. And one and the la- one of the last shows of the tour was in New York at CBGB's, which is now shut. Oh, right, yeah. You know, it was a place that I knew as as kind of folklore, one of these yeah. great little spots in the world where where, where genius came out of. Yep. And it was grubby and shabby, and you know, it, was, it came for skint. All the stuff that came out there seemed to come for skint folk. You know, people that were. Yeah, of similar life hours, you know, yeah. scraping by, you know, playing whatever they could get their hands on, but very creative. So to to end up playing in this little place was very very special, and uh, it was like a multiracial kind of crowd as well. And uh, we actually played a couple of news. We were getting new songs on the boil at that point. We did a cover of a Spanish stroll in tribute to the New York. Okay, that was that, that kind of went. So that was a very memorable show. And the other very memorable show was the last one we played at Oran Moor, but right. the last one we were all in town. And we just, I think we, we played, it was quite a long set, but we played a lot of stuff we hadn't played for years. Yeah. yeah as well as newer stuff. And uh, the very last thing we did was, uh, uh, and that show, for a while we'd been to, Davey, our, our mainstay bass player, hadn't been in, in a touring band for a long, long time. He got a day job and a family and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't commit to round. So with a guy called Frank Devana, an American, helped us out on the bass. So he'd been playing. Frank was playing us for years. Great player and and really good. And he was at this. So that was that was the lineup for the Orin War show. It was us, the original members, and Frank playing bass. Frank Devana playing the bass. But Davy was at the show. Right. So the very last song we played, we got Davy up to sing because oh, a song on song on our record, uh, our album, our second record. The song on that called One at a Time, which is a big kind of loud rocker type thing. But the vocal is Frank sings the line, Davy sings the line, Frank right. sings the line, Davy sings. Never, we'd never really played it live that way. Frank just sung the whole song live. But for this show, we just thought, right, Davy's in this, let's get him up and we can do that thing. Because he doesn't yeah. have to play the bass, he can sing. So that was the last thing we did. Davy come up and did his thing for the first time. So that was the last show we played as a five piece. And it had all the original members on stage and... We played just stuff from our whole yeah. catalogue kind of thing. It was very sort of, and the, the crowd were brilliant. You know, you could tell everybody was glad we were there, and they were so overjoyed that we were playing stuff that we hadn't played for a long time. And yeah, a lot of fun. Very memorable. 
Yeah, I bet. How many years ago was that, John? Oh, that put, you know, you're asking, I don't know. It was well before lockdown. Four or five, at least. Right, okay. Maybe I knew six. It was, yeah, I knew it was lockdown. I wasn't sure when, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, a few years before. Might, might not be the last, John, of course. I think it's crossed that, yeah. Fingers crossed, mate. Okay, yeah. a couple of, couple of finish. Um, so talking about venues then, great venues. What's your favourite live music venue for a gig? Uh, there's been a few. To play, there's a place in America and Los Angeles called the Troubadour. It's got a kind of rich history. It's a really mm-hmm. old venue. It's wooden. It's like it could be, it could easily, you could film a cowboy movie inside it. You know, yep. this, it looks like an old type thing. And, and it's got a lot of history. Uh, a lot of the kind of like Tom Waits did his first shows there. Right. You know, the kind of open mic night. Uh, the, the open mic night, that would be AR people would show up. But, uh, and he got one of his, he did early shows there. Elton John, I think, did his first shows there when he he went to America. And I think the reviews of that show has led to him, you know, getting opening a lot of doors. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it was like John Lennon when he was on his last weekend with What's Her Face? Sorry, because what about as a fan then? Favourite gig venue? Was a pretty, oh, the Barrowlands. 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 By a country mile. Um, the Apollo had its charms, mm. you know, but that's all gone now. And, and it was, that was, I mean, that was, there's something about the first gigs you go to that, 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 that you could never beat. You know, in that era where I was where I was first going to see bands at the Apollo, I was like 16, 17, and the volume was big and the music was energetic and it was all it was street music. You know, there's everything sort of is secondary to that. Mm. But there's, to go see a band at, anywhere in later years would be the Barrowlands, uh, just okay. because of its it's unchanging, it's family owned. Yep, it's uh, it's got the old dance hall history. There's a bit of kind of spookiness about it. Where it is in the town as well, mm. you know, you it's not high street, you know, it's it's mm. around the back. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, but the sound is great, you know, the attitude is great, you know, it's not like health and safety everywhere. Of course it's safe and all that, but there's jumping around, there's beer flying and, Of course there is, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, it's a proper proper raw gig. I went to see I mean, talking about Dylan again, I went I managed to get tickets to go and see him when he played there. Uh, recently, relatively recently, maybe ten years ago, he was playing at the SCCC for two nights. Yeah, but he had a day off. He's known for if he's got a day off, he'll go and just do a a, a gig somewhere locally. And so they, they booked the Barrowlands, and word got out, and I managed to get tickets. And uh, you could tell the band were 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 finding the whole thing hilarious because the crowd are right there for a the start, right up yeah. in their faces, jump beer flying everywhere and singing and they hadn't played anywhere like that for a long time it's always the big normal dome that they've been playing so they were laughing I heads yeah. off right Dylan was getting a he was laughing as well and he was he's going you guys can sing you guys can sing <laughs> I'm saying things for anything was, was a joyous thing but, yeah. but just to watch these guys suddenly be landing in an old school rock and roll night and seeing them loving it was just mm. a beautiful that lives it still lives long in the memory of that you know they, they're such a such a great night and yeah the place is hard to beat hard to beat yeah uh, yeah i find it hard to argue with that it's been a favorite to be fair of quite a few of the guys that have come on so and and quite right too so 
Yeah. Okay, takes us to a couple of toughies to finish, John. So the best ever gig that you've been to? Well, I mean, I'd have to say The Clash. Just as London Colin came out, I went to see them. Uh, they were playing two nights at the Apollo. I mean, I was young, so the memory's hazy. I remember buying a bootleg of it a couple of weeks later at the bars. And uh, well, it was just such a weird thing. They started with Jimmy Jazz, which is a kind of unusual thing. But yep. again, they seemed to play forever. But it's the spirit of the thing and the, the, the songs they had at the time. And they were fresh, you know, and I was just a kid jumping around in darkness to this, yeah. this amazing music. Uh, yeah. And it this still stands up today. Every time I hear anything off that record, I, I puts a smile on my face. It doesn't sound dated; just sounds joyous and you know, uh, celebratory kind of kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably the most most uh, the biggest gig in my life. Mm. That that really mm. brought things to life for me. Yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. Um, and one to finish, then one live album that everyone should own a copy of. Well, this is a kind of toughie. Uh, there's a I few know. that I love. I really love. I love the Thin Lizzy Live and Dangerous record. Mm-hmm. Since I was a kid, that that's very special. Bunch of songs and 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 great. Oh, just the atmosphere of a show really comes across. Uh, what else was there? Uh, there's a Van Morrison record uh, live at the Belfast Opera House okay. that I really like as well. It's mostly it's kind of uh, late seventies, eighties kind of kind of stuff on that, and it's a funny. There's this funny sort of musician, musical things on it, guitar sounds on it, pretty, but the spirit of the thing, he's he's on fire and he's having a ball, and, and uh, it's really well captured. So I'd say that. There's a few others. There's a, a record called Total's Return. I don't know if you know that. It's The Fall. Um, it's like their third, mm, third mm. album. Fourth album. I kind of fell in love with him very early on. My mm. brother had a copy of Totally Wired, and it blew me away. And the B-side was, was good as well. And then I bought their live record. It was the first first of their albums that I bought. I didn't even know it was a live record. In terms of it was, it's a funny record. It's like a compilation of things. There's a there's a couple of studio bits on it, but they they toured uh, working men's clubs mm-hmm. in the nineteen. This would be like seventy eight, seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Bernard Manning, like you know, real mainstream, hardcore minor crowd. You know, tough, and they were in playing this. Quite confrontational music, and uh, there's times when you can hear on the live record he's sort of giving the crowd a hard time. Yeah. And some guy shouts something and he says, "Are you doing what you did two years ago? Don't make a career out of it, pal." You know, just flying <laughs> off. Like off band. He's gone. The drummers did something. He's gone. Can you stop showing off. And this is all on the record. You know, yeah. it's, it, it was a, a real eye opener to what. What you could put on a live record, you know. I'm listening to this thing and I'm I'm getting scared listening to it. Yeah, just you know the music's a bit like that as well. They're quite a quite a kind of scary. The lyrical aspect is really scary at times. He's brilliant sort of storyteller and and conjurer up of of, of atmosphere. But yeah, that's a, that, I'd say I'd, I'd recommend that. I suppose out of them all, I'd recommend that. Total's Return by and Fall. It's a mental Definitely. crazy record. But it's not it's not one live album, but they're three very different ones, so we'll we'll let you have that, all right. Okay. Uh fantastic. <laughs> John, that's been great, mate. Really enjoyed that. Um and, and thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, thank you. John, man, thank you.